This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin. I'm Zach Heilprin. That is the Athletics Jesse Temple. We are live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. We're going to be here every Thursday throughout the football season. We'd love for you to come out and see us, but we're going to be talking Badgers throughout the entire season. Uh, Jesse, I do appreciate you coming out. I know this is a little bit out of your comfort zone. Usually we're talking to each other on the camp, and, you know, that's just it. But I'm glad you were able to make it out here. I'm fine. You're Not able to... out of the comfort zone. The you're... biggest thing out of the comfort zone was the... 30-minute drive from the west side on, oh my God, I got, on the belt line. But, you know, you do what you have to do. I got rid of one co-host that hated the and wanted to talk about <laughs> the traffic and I'll ran into another. No, it's fine. You want to talk about golf now, too, your golf game? No, I, we'll save that for after the show. You're, no, we can talk about your golf game. It was uh, You're missing. So we, we're going to be here every Thursday. The one Thursday that you may not actually be here is the Thursday going down to Purdue because they play on a Friday, right? But what are you doing on a Thursday when you drive down to Purdue? have tentative plans to play a little golf <laughs> but that is not why i'm leaving on a thursday who in their right mind would want to make a four-hour drive to then cover a nine-hour football game to then make another four-hour drive on the way back to madison in one day this oh, guy that's right this guy that's you this guy all right so we are live on zone madison we're also live on youtube if you want to check it out we are going to be uh, trying to do our shows live on youtube not a great mental or a visual of me but jesse jesse looks great he got a haircut i did i did my hair up today as well uh but we are going to be here at monks every thursday really looking forward to it they have just some amazing tvs that we're going to see graham mertz playing on here a little bit later we're going to see pj fleck and his ridiculousness as well they take on nebraska in the opener uh, but come on out uh the uh, four four dollar spotted cow taps and five dollar long islands here on thursday nights that's their special they also have happy hour from three to seven monday through friday Free upgrades on 22-ounce mugs. I upgraded already. Apple so. juice? Apple juice on a Thursday night, Zach? Yes, apple juice on a Thursday night. And also $2 off your appetizers. So, uh, and also on game days. Game days, right? They've got Badgers and Packers game days coming out. Uh, come on out here. $15 domestic buckets and then jello shots for every Badgers and Packers score. How many... Jello shots you think they're going to be uh, taken on Saturday Six. in Wisconsin? And I already have the math figured out. What is that? That's 42. So you got 42 to nothing? Uh, we're going to get to our score picks. <laughs> we are going to get to our score picks. We've got plenty to get to here tonight on the first episode of Temple and Heilprin. And I wanted to start here with some Big Ten storylines because the Big Ten does get underway. I mentioned Minnesota and Nebraska will take on each other here later tonight seven o'clock i believe is is kick up in minneapolis uh there is a new coach in that game his name is matt rule he's taken over at nebraska my my question for you is there's a bunch of new coaches right there's there's coaches up and down the roster including luke fickle but i'm wondering for you of all the new coaches in the big 10 who fares the best in year one not named luke fickle well i think there's only three other options right at northwestern yeah um david braun that was not known a couple months ago i have trouble believing that's going to be a very good northwestern football team so to me it comes down to either matt rule or ryan walters at purdue now walters was a fantastic defensive coordinator for brett bielema at illinois and is stepping into a program that is the defending big 10 west champions i it's hard because i want to pick matt rule on the other hand we haven't seen nebraska be relevant in such a long time 
But we know Rule has a, done a great job of turning around programs. It's just that year one hasn't been his year. At Temple, they went 2-10. and 10. At Baylor, they went 1-11. and 11. But by that third year, they were winning double-digit games. So I'm not saying Nebraska is going to be a 10-win team this season. But among the three coaches, if I had to pick, I will go with Nebraska. I think, you know, what What was happening here was I was thinking of quarterbacks because there's so many new quarterbacks. And obviously, I was carried that over to the coaches. But Matt Rule, talent-wise, probably has the best to work with, right? And what he's done and in his college career... Wasn't very good in the pros, but during his college career and turning around Temple and turning around Baylor, walked into, walked, walked into a horrible situation in Baylor. And to be able to turn that around and make it go the way that it is uh, or the way that it did under him, that probably would lead me to believe that he probably has the best shot. Now, Ryan Walter, what can we expect from Purdue? Because when you look at what Purdue has been for the last 20-plus years, they're the ones that brought basketball and turf to the Big Ten under uh joe tiller in late the late 90s and they you know and obviously they've gone up and down and mostly down for the last 20 some odd years but ever since that 2003 game against wisconsin excuse me 2004 game against wisconsin in west lafayette i think wisconsin ended uh that uh that program's uh upward trajectory they have not been any good since then but i'm wondering what you can expect from ryan walter in year one coming off coming over from illinois I have no idea. Obviously, they've got a, a new quarterback, much like Wisconsin, out of the transfer portal, Hudson Card. So my expectation would be that they'd have a – I feel like they'll regress offensively, but with a defensive mind like that at head coach, and maybe it's similar with Luke Fickle, um, they'll be better defensively. But Purdue made tremendous strides under Jeff Brom. Obviously, we saw what the Boilermakers did last season. <laughs> I mean, backing, someone had to win the West. Backing into the West. Somebody had West to win the West, but at least – Hey, they, you can say they did it. They, so, they did. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what to expect with Purdue. I, I think the West Division, most people view it as Wisconsin and Iowa are the two favorites. Minnesota is there, and we'll obviously have a better sense of where the Gophers stand and Nebraska after Thursday night's game. But uh, it's, it's going to be a tough haul in the West, I think, for Purdue. I would agree. I would agree. All right, so moving on here, Brian Frentz. Still has a job. His offense needs to score 25 more points. It's not necessarily to keep his job. Like, he doesn't get fired if they don't score 25 points. It's in his contract. Like, money-wise, it's a little bit different. But the, it's the, called the drive for 325, I believe, is what uh, they're calling it down in Iowa City. He needs to. They also need to win seven games. And if they win seven games, it would be ball eligible. Makes it 13 games, right? So 325 points is what they need to get to. Do they do it? Man. This is going to be the most fascinating thing that's not really all that fascinating. <laughs> People got trackers out on this thing. I know. It's great. Uh, shout out to my colleague at The Athletic, Scott Docterman, who has a story up today. on it's, The headline is, Iowa embarks on the drive for 325. <laughs> and the quote is, I'm extremely confident in this offense. But what, what Scott also notes is that Iowa averaged 17.7 points per game last season of which only 14.9 points were actually generated by the offense. <laughs> so if you factor in the defense, maybe they can push them to 25. I wonder what it's going to look like. I know they're not going to go out of their way to run up the score. On the other hand, maybe they will. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to get to 25. I, I mean, a full touchdown, that's a lot. But I also don't know how much more futile your offense could be than Iowa last season. So maybe that was rock bottom. Right. I, and I read that same story from Scott Ockman. It's a good read. And there's a quote in there from one of their wide receivers saying, what if we're up 24 nothing? and you want us to throw four Hail Marys to get to 25? And everyone's like, yeah. 
I mean, I mean, if you're it a up. fan, yeah, yeah, but run I it up. The thing is, I think there's a way that certainly Kirk Ferentz uh, would want to do this. My, I think, expectation is a certain level of class that that just doesn't strike me as what he's going to attempt to do. Right. Uh, so we'll see, but I, it's going to be tough, I think, to average 25 points with with the way Iowa operates. It is, and yet you look at when they've had a good quarterback. They've been able to score points. Yep. I mean, in Scott's story, you know, in Brian Ferentz's two, what was it two or three of his five or six seasons as as OC, they put up over thirty points a game. You know, two times, and those were one of the top two, two of the top ten offenses in school history. So it's not like they haven't been able to do it when they've had a quarterback to actually put up those numbers that they've been able to do it. Can Cade McNamara do it? And if he can't. If Cade McNamara does not play. Ooh, I know you can't wait for this scenario. <laughs> what happens if Cade McNamara can't for some reason? Oh, Deacon Hill. Big Ten starting quarterback. Deacon Hill is what happens if Cade McNamara misses time, which is a possibility. He may not go against Utah State on Saturday, and Deacon Hill would get the start in his place, which would, in turn, make it. So my take that uh, Deacon Hill would start at the University of Wisconsin not that bad of a take anymore. It was a horrible take last year. I took a lot of gruff for it. But now if he comes back and leads the University of Iowa, which is what Wisconsin used to be, they were essentially brothers in the way that they did things, and now he's going to be the starter? Come on now. Interesting. That, 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 take, that take is money now. Yeah, for being a... Would you have called that a scalding hot take at the time? <laughs> yes, I would have. Uh, doesn't look so scalding right now. What does that say about the quarterback situation at Iowa? Just well, <laughs> in general, I mean, by the time Deacon left, he was the third quarterback. He was behind Miles Burkett, and if he was still here, he'd be, well, obviously Sixth. buried, buried on the depth chart. But look, he found an opportunity. We'll see whether it works out for him. And um, I think Iowa fans would be hoping that McNamara, you, you went on, got him for a reason that he'll be the guy to lead this drive to 325. Look, the deal with Deacon Hill is he has an arm that is scalding hot. Like yes. that, that is the arm. Like Some I'm, would say it's intoxicating. It's an intoxicating arm. It's an intoxicating arm strength. And so when I saw that and he put some dents into receivers' hands but also put some dents into the walls at the McLean Center in spring last year, like I felt good about it. When, he's, when the ball goes where it needs to go, it looks pretty. It's very pretty. <laughs> when it goes where it needs yes. to go, it looks pretty. It, but it goes in a hurry no matter what. To me, to me, that stood out and why I said that. And it turned out that Paul Christ had a job for about five more months, and they brought in a new style of quarterback or a new style of offense, and Deacon Hill probably was not going to fit that style. But no matter what, Deacon Hill was probably never going to be a starter at Wisconsin. I think that's safe to say. It, it probably would have been unlikely. It, it's just a tough situation in general for quarterbacks, but especially with the nature of college football. Who was he recruited by? John Budmeyer. John Budmeyer's been gone for a long time. Paul Christ, obviously. Where is John Budmeyer these days? Iowa, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been reading. He's been uh, doing a pretty good job. I like there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like John Budmeyer. Yeah. Good He's a good guy. guy. But, um, but, yeah, I, I mean, we see this all the time, though. What percentage of quarterbacks? The, the vast majority of quarterbacks end up transferring because there's only one football, and there's four or five scholarship quarterbacks on a roster. So certainly can't begrudge Deacon. He's not the first quarterback from Wisconsin transfer. Won't be the last. But it is funny that the revisionist history to go back and read stories. I've got mine pulled up from bowl prep December 2021 of uh, why freshman QB Deacon Hill has been turning heads and what he's learned at Wisconsin. And the quote is, that dude's got a cannon. Well, those are all true things. They're just, all accurate. Just wasn't going to lead to him being the starting quarterback at Wisconsin. Which is unfortunate because he fits the Wisconsin mold both in size and uh, in 
nature, even though he's from California. Easy, Zach. <laughs> I can, as a big guy, I can say that. Uh, as an overweight guy, I can say that. Now, he actually looks all right. He lo- I, I don't know if you've seen him in, in his Iowa gear. He looks, he looks pretty good. Uh, and I expect to see him on what is that Saturday against Utah State when they take them on. They're ranked number 25 in the country are the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, all right, moving on here. Some other Big Ten storylines. Northwestern playing through some controversy, playing with the new coach. What do you think we can expect from Northwestern here in the last year of the Big Ten West? I'm thinking Dave Braun's got a bit of a challenge on his hands. My answer is not much. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I I have no idea what to expect. I don't know anything about his coaching style or philosophy. You have to imagine that this program will continue to be reeling from the departure of Pat Fitzgerald. It happened so suddenly. He was... I mean, a lifer at Northwestern, obviously. Been there as the head coach since 2006. Was obviously a tremendous linebacker there in the 90s. So I think that's going to take some time. But it's not like stocked full. This is a Northwestern team that went 1-11 last season and 1-8 and in the Big Ten. And the year before that went 3-9 and and 1-8. and So it's kind of hard to remember back to that COVID 2020 year. I choose to pretend that year didn't happen but northwestern <laughs> went seven and two and represented the big 10 west in the big 10 championship game so it's been a precipitous fall for northwestern since then and i just i can't see the wildcats turning it around in year one of a new new situation easily the worst team in the big 10 i would have to think so i think rucker's gonna challenge him all right well we should put some money on that well i mean again I, we were trying we picked what the, the hardest and easiest games on wisconsin schedule when we did it on the camp this uh last weekend we went, obviously, with one of the non-conference games, but could Northwestern be in that conversation? No, I, well, my reasoning was Northwestern just plays Wisconsin close the majority of the time, no matter how bad the Wildcats are, uh, but it's a possibility. My reasoning for putting the, uh, Northwestern in there, they don't come here until November 12th, I believe it is. So they could be very beaten down by the time they show up here, and it could be a, a squad that has very little to play for and has given up. Now, on the other, str- other side of things, they could turn it all around and be in contention to win the West because that's just how the West works. We get random teams playing for, uh, you know, <laughs> it feels like random teams playing for it. The last two years have been real fights to the bottom I don't know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, because backing your way into yes, the title game. No one has played it. No one has played extremely well to earn their way into it. Iowa only got in there in 2021 uh, because Wisconsin lost to Minnesota on the mm-hmm. final day of the regular season. 2022, Purdue I think went six and three to get in there, and like three lost team get into the conference championship game. You don't. You, that doesn't happen. Never had happened before. Right. So, I think, you know, Northwestern. It's gonna be. A, it's gonna be tough for them to to play well. But again, the Big Ten West. How good actually is it and that kind of gets to my final point here in the in our big 10 storylines and that is it is the last year of the west the historic west in some people's minds a historic big 10 west goes all the way back to 2014 but most likely to make their first title game appearance illinois minnesota or nebraska well of those options i know you can't pick minnesota i think it's against your code of honor so that leaves you with only two options. I'm, I'm going to go with Illinois because, and I'm not saying the Illini are going to win the West. I think it's going to be Wisconsin, and if not Wisconsin, Iowa, like most people believe. But it's easy to forget the Illini, they were very good last until, season until they weren't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they lost four of their last five, but they had such a hot start and obviously um, made tremendous strides in year two under Brett Bielema, and I think he's got a good thing going there. So of the three you're giving me, 
I'm going to go with the Illini because I know we can't pick Minnesota. You can't pick Minnesota. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, there are there are some that would pick them based on what they did last season yeah. and based on the fact that they have quite a few returning guys, you know, upperclassmen coming back. And, you know, Ethan Kalikimanis. 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 You say easy for you to say. Um, Ethan, him coming back, and him, I think, being a better quarterback, quite honestly, than, yeah. than Tanner Morgan. And they get Chris, Chris Altman-Bell on his eighth year, so coming off his ACL. So, I mean, they're, they have some they have some guys. Obviously, they have to replace Mo Ibrahim, but Ibrahim, 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 there you go, Zach. I'm, I'm going to get it. This is going to be a, a hell of a night trying to pronounce all these names for the first time this year. I could see Minnesota. Yeah. Now I'm not going to pick them, but I could see them. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I think they've been underrated. May not be the right word, but three of the last four years they've been a very good football team. We all very remember. Good. Well, let's let's not go a little over top. I didn't say great. I said, said very good. Yeah, they've been a very good football team. I mean, obviously we four know what losses every year. We know what happened in 2019. They had a chance to, to win the West and Wisconsin came Co- Co- Big Ten West champions. Yeah, everyone gets a ring. Everyone gets a participation <laughs> trophy. Obviously, weren't very good in 2020. They've won nine games in each of the last two seasons, tied for the second. So they're tied for second in the West. So, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be like they've come out of nowhere. Well, we'll see. I mean, at least they're, they've challenged Wisconsin in recent years to make that a rivalry. Oh, yes. I mean, having won it three out of the last five years yeah. does make that a rivalry for yes. sure. It's back. Yes. Nebraska, on the other hand, not a rival. No. Not a rival be. at all. All right. We are live at uh, Monks in Sun Prairie. Stop on by. Still happy hour going until 7. It's Monday through Friday, 3 to 7. You can get free upgrades on 22-ounce mugs and $2 off appetizers. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Temple and Heil Print. Yes, welcome back into Temple and Heilbrunn. We're live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Stop on by on Saturdays and Sundays for Badgers and Packers games. They've got uh, $15 domestic buckets of beer and also giving away jello shots for every uh, touchdown that the Packers or Badgers score. We'll tell you how many we think they're going to give away this weekend uh, when the Buffalo Bulls come into town. Going to talk about that coming up here in our next segment, but uh, I think, Jesse, we're going to turn our attention to a former, I guess we talked a little bit about a former quarterback in the last segment in Deacon Hill. We're going to talk about another former Badger quarterback here in Graham Mertz, because he is going to make his debut for the Florida Gators tonight against the 14th ranked Utah Utes. We're going to play that game, we're going to play, or actually we're going to pick that game coming up here a little bit later, but right now, I wanted to go into a story from your outlet, The Athletic. They ranked all the quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the Power Five, and they came up with a weird way to do it. Let's just say that. It's, it's very analytical. It's very uh, statistic-oriented and uh, analytically oriented. So let's just say that. But they have Graham Mertz at number 23. They have Wisconsin starting quarterback this year, Tanner Mordecai, at number 28. Is there any chance... Any chance whatsoever you'd want Graham Mertz over uh, over Tanner Mordecai running Wisconsin's offense this year? No. (laughs) I mean, yes, obviously the Athletic had this system where they have uh, an overall percentage rating. I don't fully understand how they got to it. It It was a presumed success rate for that quarterback based on the team and all the numbers. 
I think this goes back to something we've talked about before, which is that Tanner Mordecai has just not seemed to get the level of respect that his success the last two years at SMU would seem to warrant. We know the numbers. We've regurgitated them ad nauseum, but let's do it one more time. 7,152 yards passing with 72 touchdowns on just 22 interceptions in the last two seasons as a starter at SMU. His first year as a starter, there were 39 touchdown passes, and last year he had 33. I think some of it has to do with people wonder about how that will translate to the Big Ten in Wisconsin because we know SMU, that's, that's not the Big Ten, and also the consistency factor which we can get into Graham Mertz in that area too. But since we're just talking about Mordecai, he was not very good in games they lost. He was an average quarterback. He was an outstanding quarterback in games they won. But uh, from a statistical standpoint, just not where they needed to be in, in games they lost. But you could say that about every quarterback. Yeah, but let's let's go into that because I think that is a large thing with Tanner Mordecai is what he did against some of the less than stellar competition that SMU played and against the better teams he wasn't as good and i think this kind of takes into account for that but i mean against cincinnati wasn't it wasn't very good right and yet the guy hurt i think he got hurt in that one he got a concussion right yeah yeah the the guy who coached cincinnati that day and the the defensive guys that were on the sideline for cincinnati the day still wanted him so i think that that to me that says a little bit i wouldn't i hope graham mertz balls out at, at florida i hope he plays well tonight i hope he plays well throughout the season I'd still take Tanner Mordecai running this offense over him. However, I will say this, and maybe it was just Phil Longo saying, or maybe it was just uh, Luke Fickle saying this just to say it, but he did say that they tried to keep him here. They tried to get him to play in this offense. They wanted him to be here. I think Phil Longo wanted him to be here. Yeah. Phil Longo, I think Phil is the one who said that in January um, that he had initial conversations with Graham. It's a hypothetical. We'll certainly never know the answer. I would. I, I wonder what... Graham would have been able to do in an offense like this, which, frankly, better suited his skill set. We don't need to rehash the last three years, but it's at least worth noting that uh, I just don't know that Wisconsin put him in the best position to succeed, and also he did it to himself when he struggled. He really struggled, but he also had three years as a starter, so I don't know how you can ignore that when you're making these top 25, top 30 rankings. He was not good against ranked opponents, and you can say that about Wisconsin as a whole. That's why the Badgers ended up where they did last season. But I believe he went 2-7 and seven in games that he started against top 25 opponents, and the, the two that they won were Purdue and Iowa. And I don't even think those teams ended up being ranked at, at, at a certain point in those seasons. Yeah, I mean, the Purdue game was down there, and he threw, what, eight times? It wasn't very They ran many. the ball 51 times. Yeah, they, they uh, yes. And then the Iowa game at home in when uh, Iowa could not move the ball whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's unfair. One more thing, and I, I didn't mention this to you, but I'm sure you saw it yesterday, Paul Christ saying that we misused Graham Mertz. Uh, that, that was his thing. That was what he told Billy Napier down at Florida when they were trying to decide whether they, who to bring in as quarterback. And for three years, he, uh, not for three years, but he, he told that to him, and then that was told to a guy on ESPN, and it was put out yesterday. And... You know that that's fine. I, I to me, it was him just giving him a handout, saying, not saying anything bad about him. Like you could, you what's he gonna say? No, he was horrible. Don't don't bring him to your school. No, he's gonna give him a little bit of a. I'm gonna throw myself under the bus here. And he said we misused him. Would you agree with that? In part, in part. I mean, uh, Graham had ample opportunity to 
to be the guy that a lot of people wanted him to be, and I don't know whether he was ever going to really get there. But they also they ran an offense that wasn't necessarily tailored to his skill set. Now, they did do some different things, especially in the middle of last season when Bobby Ingram started changing it up, and they went to that, uh, what was that pistol system, and he, Graham had a lot of success in that. He wasn't an under-center quarterback out of high school. I, I actually, I think I've told this story before, but back in December 2018, I went down to Graham's high school and was watching him work with his quarterback's coach, and they spent a long time of him going, taking a ball from under center and handing it off to an invisible player and just learning how to take a ball from under center and hand it off. And I remember his instructor telling him, like, you know, you're handing it off too high and you need to lower it, which I can understand it's tough to imagine that when there's nobody there, but... Just even remembering that image, it's like it was just totally different for Graham when he came to Wisconsin. But again, when he got in trouble, he couldn't get out of it. And uh, I think it was it, everybody was at fault, is to put it. Yes, there was a lot of blame to go around, and, and Graham Ertz did not deserve all of it. But he also, Paul Chris kind of threw himself under the bus uh, when, when it comes to it. Again, I hope. He does really well tonight. Uh, moving on here a little bit. So we did our season predictions on Sunday. You picked Wisconsin to go 10-2. and two. I want to play a little fill-in-the-blank here. Wisconsin will reach, will reach 10 wins if. I feel like this is going to end up with the, the various cliched answers of taking care of the football and, and all those things. But I, I do think for Wisconsin this season, it's playing with the pace that it wants to but matching the physicality of past Badgers teams. And I don't know how that's going to come together, what it's going to look like. I think it's going to be harder than ever to have that type of physicality when you go at this pace. But Luke Fickle said exactly that during his Monday news conference. When I, I think it was when I asked him about, you know, what do you, like, what do you need to see this season? And, and uh, he talked about trying to play with that edge and that physicality. And I'm really curious to see how those two mesh. It will be interesting to see how it happens because I think there are certainly interesting aspects of this to how it all comes together quickly. Yes. That's to me, how quickly can they hit the ground running? Because if they can't, then you might see a struggle out of the gate. Now, Buffalo, was Buffalo going to beat them? Probably not. Could Washington State beat them if they struggle out of the gate? Absolutely. And then you go come home, you play Georgia Southern? Probably not. Go to Purdue? Certainly, if you're, if you're not hitting, if you're not hitting the ground running early, those could be a problem. Um, Wisconsin won't reach ten wins if. Well, you're right that everyone everyone has expressed confidence around the program in doing this right away. But what are they going to say? Ah, I don't know. I got some reservations right now. <laughs> but if 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 you can't make this transition immediately, then you're going to have some issues. Um, and I know Luke Fickle talked about that idea of making progression. He said, if we are where we are. In week eight, which is the Ohio State game, you don't even have to say it's Ohio State without. I didn't even know that. That's yeah. He said he said week eight, and he compared it to week one. Like if we're in the same spot in week eight where we are in week one, we're in big trouble. He's really um, looking forward to that Ohio State game. I think so. I think a few people are, as in everyone. Um, There's a lot of Ohio State guys on this on this staff. Though. Very much. I, so I think it's how quickly can they make that progress? Um, and it's this is. I don't know. Is this the most fascinating season for Wisconsin going going into a year because of how many unanswered questions there are? Oh um, uh, yeah. I don't know any. I, honestly, I don't know how any of this is going to translate. I don't either. And that's what's so exciting about trying to make season predictions. It's yes. just impossible to do. It's almost impossible to do. So, but we're gonna we we did it. But we're gonna be making our picks coming up here in the last segment. We're gonna get to Buffalo here coming up 
after the break. We are live at Bunks in Sun Prairie. Come on out here every Saturday and Sunday or whatever day these guys play. Badgers are going to be playing on a Friday night, which should be a fun time here. Come, They've got, uh, they've got $15 buckets of beer. They've also got jello shots for every time the Badgers or Packers score a touchdown. All right, coming back on the other side, you are, you are listening to Temple and Heil. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. The Badgers do play a game this weekend, finally. feels like we've been talking about the Luke Fickle era starting for a really, really long time. Uh, he got hired late November last year. We've done spring ball. We've done fall camp. And now we have a game to talk about. They played the Buffalo Bulls on Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium. Kick is at 2.30. Temperature is expected to be in the 90s they could challenge the all-time record in camp randall history which is 90 degrees just before your time jesse i believe you showed up in the middle of the 2011 season but yeah russell wilson's debut against unlv was a night game and it uh was 90 degrees it was it was a really warm day but saturday could challenge that yeah initially i think it said 92 degrees i checked today and it said 90 was the high either way it's going to be very very warm and i think there's only been three games since 1950 that have gone 85 plus the other two were 87 degree games i think it was the 2000 game against western michigan another night game yeah and then the, in 2018 against byu so it doesn't happen like this very often and that is another layer to this i don't really know how much it's going to matter but it might matter a little bit in terms of the pace wisconsin wants to play at remember that first was it the second practice at platteville it was sweltering hot and guys were going down every five minutes with cramps um yep. you know they may be i would expect them to be better conditioned but also you never know the first game of the season what can happen no you don't so buffalo comes in off a seven and six season they uh s and sp plus which my former uh, co-host loved to talk about i'm not as big of a fan of it it's a it's it's bill Connolly's thing you know it's, it's really tough but he's, he's got buffalo ranked 85th offensively 111th defensively they do return their quarterback and cole snyder uh, a little over 3,000 yards passing last year, 18 touchdowns, eight interceptions. They lose pretty much all of their playmakers on the outside. They do have a bunch of their running backs back, including Ron Cook, had a 600 yards and four touchdowns last year. Not a single underclassman listed as a starter on their two deep. I was reading about them a little bit more today, and their their coach, uh, Maurice Linguist, said that we just want guys to compete. And our, our depth chart is, is what it is. It's, I think people are going to be going up and down and, and in and out. So, yeah, we have a lot more oars than we normally do. Uh, but they do have a defensive guy in, in Sean Dolak. He led the nation last year in, in, in solo tackles, a really good player, an all-Mac type of player. And they were really good at taking the ball away last year. Seventh in the country, 13 interceptions, 13 forced, or I should say fumble recoveries. So it does present a little bit of a challenge, I think, for Wisconsin. But I think it's more of a challenge and, and I should say, also add, they have a very familiar face on the defensive side of the ball for Wisconsin fans. His name is Michael Caputo, a guy who would have been the only holdover on Wisconsin's staff uh, before he got the job as a secondary coach. Is it secondary or safeties coach at uh, Buffalo? I'm not sure which one it is. Either way, I think it's I think it's a uh, secondary coach. Yeah, he's safety special teams. Safeties and special teams. So uh, it's it's an interesting matchup for sure. However, I want to ask you this question. Yeah. 
Ten years ago today, Gary Anderson made his debut as Wisconsin's coach, did it against UMass. They won 45 to nothing. Will Luke Fickle's debut be better or worse than that? Is the question, will the score differential be more or less? Because he, they dominated that game, though. Like, yeah. it wasn't even close. Here's the thing. That UMass team sucked. They, I think that was their first year. Wasn't it their first year in FBS? Yeah, it was something like that. That team went 1-11, lost its first, what, five games, had one win against Miami, Ohio, and then got essentially smoked the rest of the way. This Buffalo team is way better than that UMass. Okay. Team. Obviously, there, there's been transition. There's a lot of different personnel. But this is a, a Buffalo team that started 0-3 last season, battled back, ended up going to a bowl game, and actually beat the Georgia Southern team that's going to be coming to Madison in a couple of weeks in that bowl game. Uh, so it's a, it, to me, it's an apples-to-oranges comparison. I think Wisconsin's going to win this one going away. I think the Badgers are going to put up a lot of points. Uh, but I, I think Buffalo is a much better team. You know my favorite part of that that game, that UMass game and uh, Wisconsin game in 2013? Do you know who scored the first touchdown? Enlighten me. Jill Stave mm-hmm. on a run. Well, of all of all things, that the, the only way that the way that you start that game out, it was a Joel Stave like I don't even know if it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was not a situation where he in, like it was an intended uh, Joel Stave run, but he did. He scored a little on a four yard. It was a touchdown. I, I don't remember exactly how far it was, but you know, it was Joel Stave. It wasn't too far. What what is what records does Joel Stave hold at Wisconsin? I heard he was the all-time program wins leader. Is that gosh, true? Gosh darn right he was. This was before Gary Anderson messed with his head, and uh, <laughs> that that was the following year. But Wisconsin opened the year that year with two back-to-back shutouts. They also beat um, down a very very poor, I believe it was a SES team from temp, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee Tech? Yeah, Tennessee. That, that, that sounds about right. Because it was, <laughs> They went 45 nothing, 48 nothing, and you're thinking, wow, what a start to the Gary Anderson era, and week three is a game that never happened because it was against Arizona State. Karma. Yeah, hashtag. Man, that... Ten that, years ago, Zach. That is, flies. It does. It does fly. That was actually the first year I, I covered. That was the first... The, the first road game I covered was that uh, game out in Tempe. That was impressive. Impressive uh, officiating by the Pac-12. Can't imagine. Can't imagine why they're they're not going to be a conference coming up here in a little bit. <laughs> we, we Pac-12 after dark is going to be non-existent. Speaking um, of heat, I think it was 98 degrees for that game. That was the second warmest game Wisconsin ever played in. Yeah. I believe it was, and that was a, that was at night. They, they, they're they taking these temperatures at night. Well, they do say it's a dry heat out there. It wasn't. I was. I don't I was even know. What means. I was sopping wet. <laughs> I was sopping, sopping wet. You know who else was sopping wet? Uh, the former running backs coach who is now the head coach down at Northern Illinois, Thomas Hammock. Thomas Hammock. I was talking to him out on the field, and he's just sweating buckets. And me and I, I was too. And, uh, you know, ball guys, it just it, you're screwed. You're screwed if you don't have a hat on when you're, when you're sweating. It's just a, an absolute disaster. Percent chance that Buffalo can pull the upset on Saturday? 12%. <laughs> and how did you come to that one? It entered my mind, and I said it. Um, I just think there's so many unknowns with Wisconsin coming into this season. I, I fully expect the Badgers to put their talent on display and show the country why people have such high expectations. But you just never know. And it wouldn't be the first team coming into a season that you had high expectations for and something unexpected happened. Well, this first season opener you covered, 2012. Well, Wisconsin won. They did, but that was a much tougher game than yes than most people expected because Wisconsin came into that year with much higher expectations than this one. 
but I think the expect the, the expectations for Luke Fickle as a program are significantly higher than maybe they were for them. So how, how do how do you balance that? Because they're they're ranked nineteenth in the country. Right. They're expected to win the West. They're not expected to win the Big Ten. They're not expected to go to the college football playoff. They're not right. expected to do all these things, and yet people have expectations that they're going to come out and just roll people. You know, I, I wrote a story that's running in the Athletic on Friday. Uh, it's kind of a notebook, so it's got a bunch of different things in there. But one of the one of the things that I touched on was uh, we we ran a poll uh, in May and June for subscribers, and one of the questions asked, "What would you define a successful season as?" In other words, what would be considered a good year for Wisconsin? Eighty-five percent of about a thousand respondents said successful seasons winning the West. Seven more percent said a successful season is winning the Big Ten Championship. That means 92% of voters consider a successful season to be winning the West. And anything less than that is a failure. I will say Braylon Allen said as much when, when we were talking to him. He, he said exactly that. Anything less, honestly, is probably a failure. That is his quote. So it's tough because of all these unknowns. But they went and got all this talent in the transfer portal, and it just feels like how can you not be a really good team? And that's why I think there's this mix of expectations. So the one thing that you're looking forward to seeing on Saturday? The offense. Yeah. Look, people want to talk about the defense. Yeah. And defense is going to be fine. But what does an air raid offense look like at Wisconsin? And how do they manage all these weapons? And I also want to know, like, what does it happen when it goes bad? You know, <laughs> because it, it's something Brett Bielma talked about this, too, at Big Ten Media Day when he was asked about it. Like, when People it's good, that. it's People good. People love that for sure. Yeah. And when it's when it's not, I think he said you can have landmines or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's what people loved. <laughs> but that's a possibility. You go quick three and out, and all of a sudden your defense is on the field a lot. I don't know how much that's going to happen against Buffalo, but absolutely that's what I want to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see what the offense looks like. I'm anxious to see what Tanner Mordecai looks like. I think they're going to run the ball down their throat. I think they're going to be able to do all that. But Ken Tanner put it together, and, and because the last time he was in front of a crowd at, Wisconsin, at Camp Randall Stadium, it didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. Remember that? It was in the spring game. Oh, yeah. yeah did, you, thinking, did you just complete did did you just completely throw that out of your mind? Well, because no one else was, has. No one else has. Like, people will go up and down with this, right? Tanner Mordecai, amazing when you get him in the transport. Then you see him in the spring game, it's like, ooh, tough season. And then you, to start fall camp, it's like, oh, really good, feeling good about it again. And then it's like, oh, I don't know, man. He's, he didn't really do it against great competition. And so it's kind of like gone up and down, up and down. I'm anxious to see what this looks like. I was going through his five-year career and thinking, did they ever play Wisconsin? But <laughs> no, I did not forget about the spring game. And I do also think that may be part of why uh, some people are questioning what this will look like. But I say this over and over again. That was his worst practice of the spring. He didn't have a practice like that. The other 14, I think he's going to be very good this year. Um, so I don't have any question about that. All right. We're going to come back from on the other side and uh, pick some games, including Graham Mertz heading in to Salt Lake City to take on Utah and Nebraska in the Twin Cities to take on P.J. Fleck. Coming up right after this. You're listening to Temple and Heil. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We are live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Going to be here every Thursday throughout the season. Come out and see us. Come out and watch some football. We've got some great football games coming up. I don't know about great. I shouldn't say great. I'm using Jesse's words here. Very Maybe, maybe it would be solid. Very good. S- solid football tonight. We've got 
a couple of games. Florida at number 14, Utah, and Nebraska at Minnesota. There's other games, too, but those are the two that we're concentrating on. We're going to do picks. We're going to keep track of this throughout the season. Maybe we'll make a bet at some point, and uh, loser has to do something, maybe at the bowl game. <laughs> Assuming Wisconsin makes a bowl game. What right? happens at the bowl game stays at the bowl game. I know that. Well, you're lucky. You're lucky it does. Because <laughs> there, there are some, yeah. Either way. That, maybe that we'll save that for another show. There you go. So we'll save it for next week. All right, let's get into these picks here. We'll start with Graham Mertz and the Florida Gators going to Salt Lake City and taking on number 14, Utah. Utah is four-and-a-half-point favorites. They do not have their quarterback, Cam Rising. He is unlikely to play tonight, coming off an ACL that he got in the Rose Bowl. So Florida gets a little bit of a break. But uh, Utah lost last year, I believe, down in... Gainesville, it was a really close game. But who do you got? Who you got? Florida, Florida, Utah. Well, that's the tough thing is with the quarterback switch, it throws a little wrinkle into it. But I think Utah is going to cover. Um, I just, I know, I know what Graham has done against ranked teams at Wisconsin, <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's not fair, but it's what we've seen. So. Utah being at home, it's a very good Utes team. I think they're going to cover. I'm going to take Utah as well. I, I do think I do think Graham has an okay game. I don't think the Utah defense maybe has given up some big plays in recent years. I don't know if Florida has the dogs to do it just, just yet. The other game that we're paying attention to tonight, Nebraska going to the Twin Cities in a Big Ten West matchup, so it's relevant to Wisconsin. Nebraska favored by seven in Matt Rule's debut for the Huskers. Who you got? I think he's Minnesota favored by seven. What did I say? Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah, I got Minnesota by uh, Minnesota by seven. Ah, boy. I'm torn on this one. Um, I'm going to go Corn Huskers to yeah, cover. Don't think they win. Um, I'm going to have to separate myself early here in week one, so that's probably why I'm doing that. I'm surprised with your pick, though, Zach. What did you say? I'm surprised with your pick. Yeah, so I'm 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 going Minnesota. I, at home, Thursday night, a lot of, lot of veterans, and I do think as much as I despise P.J. Fleck, he's got a team that, you know, I think is going to be a little frisky this year. Fr- fr- frisky is a good word? I think sure, frisky is a good word. Frisky is a good word for them. I instantly regret my pick. <laughs> well, moving on to this next game, we've got Ohio State at Indiana. Ohio State, 30-point favorites against the Hoosiers, who may battle Northwestern for the worst team, and Rutgers for the worst team in the Big Ten this year. Ohio State, don't care if it's on the road, don't care if it's more than four touchdowns. I know it's a new quarterback with McCord, but they're going to cover. Jesse's going with Ohio State. I'm going to take Indiana at home to Ooh, cover. Sneaky. A 30, I mean, a 30-point spread at home, and I know that's probably going to be just packed with Ohio State fans. I get that. But new quarterback, the last time they went on the road to open a season with a new quarterback was at Minnesota on a Thursday night. Maybe it was a Friday night. It was a lot tougher game than they thought they were going to get. We should do oddly specific predictions because I feel like you're going to win this on a sneaky backdoor cover where the third-string quarterback runs it in with two seconds left and Indiana loses by 28. Uh, the next game we got coming up here, it's Utah State at number 25, Iowa. We don't know if Cade McNamara is playing. Iowa is favored by 23-and-a-half. Is Iowa going to score 23 That's the, That's a good yeah, question. Yeah. Well, we know that Iowa's defense is consistently good. I'm going to go with Utah State, though. I was I was going to win, but, uh, boy, 23-and-a-half just feels like a mountain for the I, Hawkeyes. Maybe they'll surprise me. I think they're going to surprise you because I think it's going to be the Deacon Hill show, and I think Deacon Hill's going to put up a ton of points. I love and, it. And, and, and just run the score up on uh, the Utah State. What are they? What are the, Aggies. the Aggies. The Aggies. All right. On Sunday, the big game of the week, Florida, Florida State, top ten matchup. LSU favored by two and a half. The game is being played in Orlando, so I don't think there's really a home field advantage for either side here. I'll go Florida State for no other reason than uh, 
they got a lot of talent. I'm going. I'm, I'm going LSU. I think they figured something out towards the end of last year, and they got Jaden Daniels, who yeah. we remember from bowl game Wisconsin played against them at uh, where was that? It was in Las Vegas. Yeah, the Las Vegas Bowl, right? So I'm going to go with uh, LSU. And the final game we got here, Wisconsin taking on Buffalo. Badgers ranked number 19 in the country. They are favored by 28. Not enough. Badgers roll 45 to 10. That's my prediction. <laughs> so how many? Uh, how many? Can you six? How many jello, jello shots? Is shots and Nathaniel Vacos with a 52-yard field goal. <laughs> I'm also going to take Wisconsin. I know that's that's a big number. We don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like specifically. We don't know what the defense is going to look like specifically. My biggest question here for going into this thing is two things. One, it's how does the offense look? And two, how does the run defense hold up? And who gets after the quarterback? Right? Those are, those are the two different things. Those are the two different things that I'm looking at. I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to stop the run or who's going to get after the quarterback on a consistent basis. We know the inside linebackers, right? We know maybe the defense line is going to play a little bit more aggressive. But outside linebacker-wise, like who on a consistent basis is going to get after it? Because they don't have a Nick Herbing, they don't have a Keanu Benton. They don't have those guys, but also I think that they're going to find the playmakers necessary. So I'm not all that worried. I'm just not worried about the defense. They've been good for so long. Mike Tressel has uh, obviously delivered the last couple of years at Cincinnati. So they're going to find the people. I'm, it's all about the offense in this one. It is all, it's all about the offense for you. All right, well, again, I know that Buffalo is going to be playing a veteran quarterback. Yep. And maybe the ball gets out of his hands quickly, and maybe Wisconsin's pass rush doesn't even have a chance to get home. But I'm really anxious to see what it looks like stopping the run-wise to be able to, uh, you know, get off the field and uh, get your offense back on the field. And what happens if your offense can't stay on the field? Yes. Right? That's the other thing. So I'm going I'm to take Wisconsin as well. Do so you have we, a score? 40, 45 to 10. No? Oh, okay. It's, <laughs> this is like the Price is Right RIP Bob Barker. You can't say the same number. All right, 48 to 10. There we go. We will be back next week. We appreciate it. We're going to be here every Thursday live for months, 6 to 7. Stop out on weekends and uh, enjoy yourselves this weekend.